Hey everyone, welcome to Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts, where every week we cover the latest in music news, reviews, interviews, releases, discovery, history, and more. I'm your host, Chris Zappa, and as always, the world of music is a busy place, so without further ado, ground control to listener, take your protein pills, put your helmet on, this podcast ain't gonna listen to itself... feel jealous when I see my friends dead on the news. This is how Butch Bastard opens his latest album, Las Vegas Salvation, cleverly setting up the listener for what can best be described as the musical orgasm that follows. When the album was released in April 2023, I immediately called it my album of the year, knowing full well that there were still eight months to go before year's end. However, for me, there would be no other album released this calendar year to rival this one. I stand by that assertion today, nearly four or five months later. Butch Bastard is the moniker of exceptionally talented Seattle-born, Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter Ian Murray. His debut LP, 2018's I Am Not a Man, is a brilliant album in its own right, the seeds of greatness featuring prominently on timeless songs like the jaunty swagger of Gentrification Song or the dreamy slow burner You Ain't Half My Woman. Even still, on Las Vegas Salvation, Murray's artistic evolution and growth as a songwriter is evident and impressive. Citing Bob Dylan as one of many inspirations, his lyrical prowess stands on its own as a shining example of the fact that virtuosic artists still exist and continue to emerge from the modern-day hodgepodge landscape of musical mediocrity in which we too often find ourselves mired. Singing the praises of Ian as an artist with a distinctly charming voice and of the songs on this album both melodically and lyrically still misses the fact that the song arrangements and production quality here are an absolute masterclass in how to craft the perfect album. I recently had the good fortune to sit down with Ian and have a conversation all about uh, the new album, uh, about his life in general, about making music, his influences. He's a genuinely, genuinely nice guy, funny as hell, and uh, just an amazing, incredible artist. And uh, I feel very fortunate now to be able to present to you guys my conversation with Ian Murray, a.k.a. Butch Bastard. All right. Hey, man, Ian, thanks for uh, thanks for being here, man. Thank, welcome to the show. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. So, you know, first question uh, right off the bat always is uh, how are you and where are you? I'm doing well. I am in uh, Los Angeles, California, which is where I have lived for the past creeping up on 10 years minus COVID time. So let's just call it creeping up on eight. And uh, I am in my garage studio at the moment. I have a lot of family in LA and they say it's mm. not, it's not been uh, typically as sunny as it, as it normally is. It's been a lot of gray cloudy days lately and it's kind of driving everybody insane. Yeah. The sun broke through yesterday, which was a relief. Um, nice. Cause yeah, as, as a lot of people have been pointing out is you, you take the weather away from LA and there's not a whole lot of good reasons to be here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you're from uh, Seattle originally, right? I am. Yeah. So the rain, you'd think the rain in the, in the, in the overcast would feel comfortable to me, but no, that's why that, that's why I had to get the hell out of Seattle. So it's <laughs> yeah, not been I've, great. I lived in uh, Portland for a number of years. Oh yeah. I lived there for a little while too. And yeah, same thing. It was just same like, shit, if, you, yeah. if you don't like gray and, and raining almost all the time, maybe don't live in, in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I mean, when it's, when it's nice, it's really nice, but yeah, you gotta, yeah, you those, gotta put the, up with the, those few weeks in the yeah, those like two early, weeks. early summer. Yeah, that's they're, yeah. they're beautiful. You can't beat it. <laughs> 
for for any listeners that might not yet be familiar with your music, could you like in your own words, could you describe it? I hate putting genres and labels on you know because it's really hard to do nowadays. You, you just about don't know how to yeah, classify I mean, anything. Yeah, I find myself having to do it a lot because I don't know if you're like trying to submit to a playlist or something like that. You have to like define your genre, which is something that I don't know how to do. Um, yeah. So how to describe it? I don't know. I mean, it, I guess, you know, it all starts with the song. It's song focused. I try not to leave too much in the, in the hands of production. A lot of that is because as I get further into this project, it becomes harder and harder to kind of like wrangle a band together. And more and more I play solo just so I don't have to turn anything down or, you know, turn any opportunities down and I don't have mm-hmm. to pay pay people out and that sort of thing. So more and more when I write, the song itself has to work with just, you know, whatever instrument I wrote it on, which is going to be either a guitar or a piano and my voice. So I don't know, I guess I just put it all under the under the umbrella of rock and roll. Right. Like, but then I say that and people are like, Oh, this sort of thing. I'm like, no, not really. You know, but I mean, if, (laughs) if the stones can call themselves rock and roll and then, you know, do a bunch of other shit or the, you know, the Beatles can do all this other shit, you know? Um, right. It's all, it's all rock and roll. If the Beatles can do it, I can do it. Damn it. That's right. Yeah. They paved the way, man. But yeah, I just, I put it under rock and roll, you know, um, maybe there's elements of folk because it's very lyrical, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. What, what do you think it is? <laughs> it's not like it, you don't hear it and, you, and go, oh, that's crazy. I've never heard anything like that before. But I don't know exactly how to, I don't know exactly what to call it. And, you know, from song, you know, one song sounds completely different than a, than another song, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was uh, looking on, you know, what is it on, on Apple Music? I think it has a tendency to like, what does it show up as? Singer, songwriter? No, it shows up as rock. That's fair. So let's just call it, let's just call it rock singer, songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> We'll make up our Done. own genre. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so your second full-length album, Las Vegas Salvation, just came out on uh, April 28th, end of April. Yeah. And dude, um, as soon as it dropped, I was listening to it and it's just, uh, I, it's an absolute fucking masterpiece, dude. Dude, I thank really, you, man. It's, it was end of April, but I'm like, this is already my album of the year. Like That's nothing's so cool, going to top man. this. I, I mean it too. Like it's just music speaks to people in different ways. When you find that artist that you gravitate towards and the music speaks to you, it's just like that's that's it nobody else is topping this for the rest of 2023 it's all yeah, over I, everybody else go home that's really great to hear man i appreciate that and you know you went with uh las vegas salvation as opposed to uh fear and loathing in las vegas i think that was already taken <laughs> yeah already taken <laughs> How long did it take to like start to finish for for the album to totally come together? Because some of these songs had had been around for for a while, right? Yeah, um, hard to say. You know, doing everything independently, you know, it, it slows things down a lot. But so I don't know. Like waiting for a hot pocket, for example, I think was written before the last album was released. That was back in what 2018. 2018, right? yeah. So yeah. a couple of them have been around a long time. I've just been playing them live, and then and then you know a few of them I wrote just kind of like right before. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's 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 all taken so long for you know like for example, it took ten months to get the vinyl pressed up. Oh wow! And yeah, uh, I've heard there's a lot of delays with vinyl pressing these days. Yeah. Yeah, so it's because uh, Taylor Swift has all of the the vinyl plants like busy twenty four seven. So how do you yeah, get how Taylor do you sneak Swift, in there? Adele, <laughs> you yeah, know, Adele is is responsible for this. <laughs> 
Thanks injustice. a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> so I guess the writing, I don't even know how far back that goes. You know, a few of them have been around in fragments for, for a while. And then mm-hmm. right before the pandemic, I don't know, my daughter was probably like 10 months old. And uh, we were sharing a studio, you know, aka my studio was her nursery. Right, right. Um, she kind of kicked me out of there when she came along. <laughs> they get yeah. priority. Right. Meanwhile, she hasn't tracked anything. <laughs> So it's just lazy. Yeah. Now she's got, she's had like two years, right? Or another year at least. Yeah. So I've been like, I was like booking 45 <laughs> minutes at a time <laughs> and not getting a ton done. So there was like a, yeah. a two week period where my parents came to visit and uh, just watched her all, all day. And that's when like the bulk of the tracking occurred, all the vocals. And then I took it over to my buddy Ryan Nash's studio where we did drums and strings. And then we mixed over there too. So I don't know. It's, it's been a long, basically it's been a long process. The next one won't take nearly as long. The next one's fully written already. So I want to just, you know, get after that ASAP, but it took yeah. a while, you know, even <clears throat> since, even after having it finished, you know, it took a long time to, and I, I didn't even bother shopping it to labels this time around just cause that process is so tedious. I'd rather just get things going on my own. Well, so, yeah, yeah, cause you, you, you wrote it, you produced it. I, I even saw that, uh, that you, you know, credited for photography and design and the whole thing. I mean, that's like, yeah. that's a definition of an, of an independent artist, man. Like, yeah, a, man, I mean, and it's gotta be overwhelming to, to do all of that yourself. It is. I mean, I do embrace it and enjoy it on, on one level. Um, you know, you kind of, you're invested in everything and you really feel like you're carving out your own lane. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine it's, you know, with, with a label deal and you've got someone telling you that, you know, what you can and can't do or should yeah. or should not do. And, and like breathing down your neck about stuff. That's, that sort of takes some, right. some of the fun out of the process. Yeah. But at the, at the same time, you know, I'm like, okay, the next two days will be dedicated to me, like reteaching myself Adobe Illustrator so I can make t-shirt designs, you know? Right. (laughs) So basically it's just a lot of time spent on things that are not writing or recording music. Mm -hmm. So when you come back around to, okay, it's time to write, you've kind of forgotten how to do it. You know, it's like, it's like exercise sort of where like, yeah, you can't just stop jogging for a year and then just like go out and run a marathon, you know, like you have to kind of put in the time, put in the elbow grease to sort of like get the conditioning back and get your mind back in that zone. So keep the, keep the machine well oiled. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Identify with that heavily because um, Mm -hmm. you will, we, we both have kids. Yeah. I have a kid, you have two kids. My day is, is taken up every day. I take care of my kid. And then at the end of the day, my brain's so full of like cocoa melon and fucking, Oh man, it's the worst tantrums and, and uh, just it's it, it takes a while to like to be able to put your brain back in a different space and be right. like, all right, I was going to be creative. What was I doing? You know, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Cocoa melon is bad for creativity. <laughs> it's really bad. It really. It just smacks of, of AI to me. It does. And the, yeah, that song, it's just it's always the same song. Just, right, right. Different words. Yeah. Fortunately, my kid doesn't he doesn't he's latched onto this one cartoon and he, he's right now he won't watch anything else. It's this thing called We Bear Bears. Mm. It's like these three bear brothers and they have hijinks and he's like he's obsessed with that thing and he won't he yeah. won't watch anything else now. So so I, we're out of the we don't out of the phase of uh, Coco Melon and whatever else. Yeah, I've got I've got Show Rex, but I'm 
I'm like, I'm trying to resist turning this into a podcast <laughs> about children's television. <laughs> you know? There's enough of that out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now we're going to bring in our special guest, Ms. Rachel. Come on in, Ms. Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So it, being a totally like independent artist and doing everything yourself, what do you, I mean, there's obvious positives and negatives. What, what would you say are some of your, your, your most favorite and your least favorite aspects of, of it? Obviously having, like we said, total control over sort of your, your process, the timing, all of that. Yeah. I guess what I most, yeah. What I most like about it is with the exception of maybe like publicity, there is no aspect of it that I don't find interesting on some level, you mm -hmm. know, like, so like I, I do like digging into that. And then once, once you put in the time and kind of get a handle on everything you need to have a handle on, you feel pretty, you know, you feel like you have a lot of control and pretty uh, empowering. Yeah. Yeah. It's empowering to kind of like feel brushed up on all that stuff and to know where all the money's going, mm -hmm. all, all these huge, huge sums of money, um, <laughs> you know, know, know where it's at, know where it's going, you know, just have, yeah. just feeling fully in control of all of it is great. And then just sort of, you know, empowering, but also enriching, you know, like, like, Hey, I have some Adobe skills now I have, I've explored design skills that I didn't know that I have. Um, right. Yeah. Just being in control of, of your entire aesthetic, you know, and, and being able to take ownership of everything you do and everything that's out there and not be like embarrassed about how you're being presented in some corner of the internet or something. Like I told um, my marketing team, it was dumb for me to wear that outfit in the video and, you know, right, and hate exactly. it for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I didn't know that I was going to be like photographed holding this water bottle at this, <laughs> you know, bullshit like that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's what I like about it. Um, also just a sense of feeling proud of all the, all, all the work you put in. Yeah. That payoff's got to be tremendous. I mean, the satisfaction yeah. from that. It's great. Yeah. So with the exception of the aspect of it I, that I really don't like is having to like do your own publicity, which I've just kind of like, I haven't really bothered That's because, a, that's, you know, yeah. just writing thousands of emails like, Hey, wanted to tell you about this thing that I've done. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and, you know, just like the, ma the mailer Damon just coming at you all day right. long. Yeah. That's what I've heard from tons of artists is like, you know, the, the actual creation of, of the music, writing the music, even recording. It's like this tiny fragment of the overall picture and the, and the rest of, you know, there's this other like looming marketing thing out there that you've got to deal with. And everybody hates that aspect of it. I haven't, yeah. I haven't talked to one artist that's like, and I love marketing and promoting myself. Yeah. I mean, like I, I like sort of having marketing approaches and ideas, you know, like, you know, I think there's, there's some creativity in that, like, you know, okay, I'm going to do this on, you know, I'm going to make a, a trailer for this song, a video trailer for this song. I'm going to put, you know, stuff like that where there's creativity mm -hmm. involved. But so, I mean, all that is what I like about it. What I don't like about it is, yeah, you know, publicity and that sort of thing, but also these labels are, have relationships that go back decades in some cases and basically you just you're not reaching the audience you would with the help of a label you know right um, yeah ultimately that's what you want is just to is to reach people and it's difficult to do that all by yourself you know yeah absolutely so many uh like tiktok i guess is the the big thing now because i discover tons of of new artists on tiktok you oh. know every day um yeah the one good thing about it is the the algorithm if you know if you're into discovering new music it'll just keep feeding it to you literally all day long you'll never run out of new shit to discover i need to figure that like i'm honestly like 
I have a TikTok and like I don't remember the password and then I'm like, oh fuck it. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's so it's so hard to like relearn an entire <laughs> Facebook is layer. done, you know. I've spent a lot of time on Instagram and and that's kind of where my focus is. Like so I mean to establish a whole TikTok presence sounds daunting, but I may as well go so far as trying to re- recover my password, you know. Yeah, that that'd probably be worth it. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> I think it's worth it. Um yeah. Yeah, because, you know, like I know that I enjoy whenever I do discover an artist on there, you know, there there will be maybe it's actual music video clips, maybe it's live clips, maybe it's uh, I love like seeing the behind the scenes shit about, you know, like, here's how I've recorded this or. Yeah. All right. Sold. After we after we get off this, you got to got to recover that password. You got to find that thing. <laughs> Probably password one, two, three or right, something. Yeah, because yeah, you're uh, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, you're on TikTok, YouTube. You have a Substack as well. I do, yeah. That's I, uh, new, and I, I, yeah. I've enjoyed that quite a bit. It's a really great platform. That's the the platform that I run my my show and my newsletter on too. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's really great, really fun. And a lot of artists are starting to use it for. Um, are you familiar with a band, Illiterate Light? I'm not. They're a they're a duo, two guys, uh, but they sound like got a full band on stage, and there's two guys up there, mm-hmm. and they're just they're insane. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm friends with with those guys, and they uh, one of the guys started one. A Substack and and he's like yeah because I can not only stay in contact direct contact with fans I can put up like you can do audio and so you can do like you know you can put out snippets of demos and get people's feedback and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff I think that's how he's using it so it's yeah and like you know I, I like to write you know I mean you know even my music is like is largely writing yeah you know it's it's lyrics driven music. And uh, I, I love writing, so you know it's it's been a great outlet for that. Ideally, all the music would just go away, and I could just do my Substack, you know. Yeah, <laughs> not really, but I, it's, it's check been out my good. new album on Substack. Yeah, it's been a good way to flex that muscle, and then also engage with the people that are kind of like most interested in what you do. And you know, like on this last tour, I had an email list, and you know, so you know, got a bunch of new people on yeah. there, and so yeah, that's that's a good one. I like that one a lot. Yeah. So you just you just wrapped up a tour you were on tour with uh, father john misty yeah uh, josh tillman aka father john misty yeah how, how was that how was that that whole experience of that tour and what was it like uh it was really really great man i um i'm i'm so lucky to have been able to do it and it was really it went way better than i expected i hadn't toured like that in years and i specifically you know they just kind of like i was playing solo so they just kind of like absorbed me into the opera you know like I just I had a bunk on the bus and nice. uh, and by the end of the tour like you know his band was playing with me for a couple of songs he he himself was playing drums for me for a couple of songs sweet but it was awesome you know I, I didn't I didn't know how it was gonna go I mean I, I knew that the shows would be big and there'd be a lot of people there but uh I didn't know you know, I've always had a, a hunch that if I could just get in front of people, the music will translate mm-hmm. and this proof concept, you know, that's, that's what happened. And so that was really gratifying. And, uh, I didn't know if people would be kind of like milling around or coming in, but, you know, pretty much every night I came out there, it was packed, you know, and, uh, people listened and were gracious. And I, I had to, you know, I didn't think I was going to sell much merch, but I had to have merch overnighted to me twice in just nice. like the one week, you know, cause I kept selling out of it. 
it. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, you're leaving money on the table. You know, there's a few records went unsold because I didn't have them for one of the shows. But and, you know, got to meet, you know, it's just it's really like you can feel you go out there and nobody knows you. And then at the end of it, you know, there's 2000 more people who know who you are. Yeah. And seem to have enjoyed it. Yeah, that's fantastic. When they I've heard a lot of artists talk about how playing live is is a lot different nowadays than it was maybe even 10, 15 years ago in terms of commanding the audience's attention seems to be harder. And and a lot of times, especially for a, an actor, a band who's opening, you know, like right. you said, like they all, they were, they were paying attention and whatever, but as opposed to like, everybody's just talking amongst themselves and like, who's this guy up here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there were a couple of shows where there was a little bit of chatter going on, but I mean, they, they, that was going on during the Misty set too. It's just kind of like, and you just tell them, shut the fuck up, pay attention. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> some, you want to do you want to do that but like for example the kind of the last the last show i played was like a week ago i did kind of like a homecoming show in seattle mm-hmm. and you know i've i kind of put these I mean, home shows are great because like, you know, you, your people show up for you, but like, um, we packed the house, but it's, it was like mostly people that if I didn't know them directly, I knew them indirectly, you know, so mm-hmm. basically I'm putting them in kind of an impossible situation where it's like filling a room of people who know each other, then asking them not to talk to each other. Right. Yeah. So yeah, see, that's kind of hard. But I kind of, you know, I did kind of like, I shushed him, I shushed him <laughs> multiple times. You know, I was trying to be funny about it, or whatever. Um, but you know, yeah. like I felt a little bit bad about it. But I think everyone understood where I was coming from. But yeah, you know, no, if I'm sure. as an opener walking out to a rock club in Cincinnati, I'm not about to be like, "Hey, the opener <laughs> is playing." Okay, yeah, yeah. shut up. <laughs> um, Eyes up here. Yeah. So, yeah. but then, like you know you look out over the crowd and like the vast majority of people are paying attention. It doesn't take a lot of people talking to make it sound like no one's listening. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If there's 2000 people and like, you know, 75 of them are talking in yeah. your head, you're just like, nobody's listening. Right. Yeah. But then, you, you know, cause I'm, I often have my, my eyes closed when I'm singing, but you know, I'll open my eyes and everyone I can see is watching, you know? So, I mean, you've been on stage for years. Are you, you're, you're pretty comfortable up there. Are you pretty, I think I probably, I mean, I get nervous, but, uh, I think that's, I think everyone gets kind of nervous, but, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I would imagine it's impossible not, not to have a little bit of nerves. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a sociopath. I don't think, you know, I do, <laughs> I am aware of, of the stakes and, uh, <laughs> right. so yeah, I, I get, you know, I get nerves, but I'm able to be somewhat comfortable up. You know, I think, I believe, I think that I appear comfortable. Yeah. Um, it's a, it comes off that way. And I yeah. think it does. Like I saw, um, I wasn't able to, I wasn't in any of the, the cities that you hit on this tour, but I was mm-hmm. able to, uh, fortunately some YouTube clips went up of different yeah. performances at um, different shows. And yeah, man, not only did the the audience seem like totally engaged and, and totally into it, like the reception, like after the song and everybody's cheering and yeah. clapping, it was, it looked really fantastic and yeah. you totally pulled it off and looked look smooth. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it went really great. You know, I didn't, I figured it would be fun at the very least, but I, you know, I did not, ex- I, did, I was very pleasantly surprised by how it went over. That's gotta be a, a rush though. The, the ad adulation, the clapping, yeah. the, yeah. No, it's, it's really nice. And getting to work the merch table afterwards, that's where typically the people that appreciated it the most wind up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to hear such, uh, such encouraging words from, from people, you know? But yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. It, it, it was awesome. Do you have any, like any pre-show rituals or stuff you do or like, you know, listen to or something to like psych yourself up before a show, slam a beer like, or two uh, or, you know, 
No, I, I've taken to, I, I play pretty much sober just because I, um, if it goes poorly, I want it to be entirely my fault and not <laughs> your own fault. Yeah. And not the fault of, you know, choices I've made. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> that makes partic- sense. You know, particularly if like I were to somehow inhale some marijuana, you know, let's say, yeah, I'm going to get, <laughs> there's a strong chance that I'm going to get very much in my own head out there. Oh yeah. Um, so I'll never do that. And then, you know, maybe, maybe like a drink, but also, you know, you don't want to be burping. You don't want, you know, it's like, so I try and go out there pretty much bone dry. I think when I officially made that declaration was, I don't know, some years ago, I was invited to play a show, some venue I hadn't heard of in LA, invited a number of people and, uh, they all show up and it's like a, it's basically just like a, like an empty gallery space. There's no alcohol. There's no bar. It's like a very not fun environment. So I'm like, mm. oh shit, I just invited all these people to come and they're just kind of like standing around. So there was like a, there was a dispensary across the street. I was like, okay, I'm <laughs> nice. going to go like get a couple of pre-rolls just so I have something to offer to everyone who came to see me Yeah, and uh, brought it back and, you know, lit one up and very quickly was just like, wait a second, I'm supposed to fucking perform music now. This is a fucking disaster. They're still all here to see me. There's still way I still got to do the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was just up there playing and my God, the, the internal dialogue as I'm trying to remember <laughs> lyrics. So loud in your head. You can't oh focus God, on the lyrics. man. I'm just, yeah. So never again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of lyrics, man, I love everything about your music, the, your first album and this, this new album. But, and as we sort of talked about a little bit earlier, it's like, it's, uh, your music is, you know, the, the lyrical content is a big focus of, yeah. of that. And I mean, I've had the album on repeat since it came out and Hell especially yeah. this past week and preparation for our interview I was you know listening to the album a lot and watching the mm-hmm. videos and uh, first of all the video for uh, Elegy that's a crazy organ man that you were oh, yeah, playing yeah. like where where was that shot? We shot that in New, in New York Detroit. Um, okay. Yeah so there's a director named Grant James. He's Shout done, out to Grant. He's a big yeah. listener of the show. Oh is he really? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Hey Maybe Grant he how you be. doing but yeah he'll listen to this Maybe he probably. will be now. Um, but he's like in a, a very very accomplished director of uh, various, you know, a lot of music documentaries and, and videos and stuff. And I met him because he's done, I don't know, probably half of the Father John Misty videos. Oh, okay. So anyway, he offered to shoot a video for me as long as I came out to Detroit where he lives. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where we did it. And um, it's shot on like this toy camera. It's called like the Tyco toy cam or something. Really? Yeah. It was like this, it was like a toy that came out in the nineties, you know, so you could like, you'd plug it into your VCR or you'd plug it like directly into your TV and then you could be like, Hey, here's my baseball card collection on TV. Oh, that's Um, crazy. It's weird. It uses like infrared. You know, I'm not a camera guy, but it's it's an infrared yeah. camera, and so everything looks kind of ghostly. I assume that was something that was like done in post production to like no, give no, it no. that look. There's but like, that's how it was shot. No, there's like no post. I mean, I don't even think he colored it. You know, like uh, like the that what you see is how it went into the recorder. Um, yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, and then, and then so the organ is um, there's a theater there. I think it's called the Senate Theater. It's like a really old theater, and it's got I think the eighth largest Wurlitzer in the world. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the organ itself is like you know the guts of it take up you know half the building. It was it actually? Did you actually like it was playing? You weren't just no. That's just that it wasn't it, on. No, it was not. I, I can't even imagine what it takes to turn that thing on. Um, yeah. No, we were just sort of key syncing, if you will. 
Yeah, I imagine you, you flip the, the switch on that thing and it's like everybody's lights in Detroit just sort of flicker and bzz, you know. Yeah, I just picture <laughs> like having to shovel a bunch of coal into a fire or something, <laughs> you know, like a steam engine or something. What about uh, what about the Las Vegas Salvation video? That was that wasn't done by the, by Grant also, was it? No, that was done by a guy named Mike Immerman, who is a friend of a friend who yeah, has just been fighting the good fight as a videographer in LA for some time. And so, you know, as I was going into how am I going to get this album out there? I was like, I just want to make videos for as many songs as possible. So I just kind of reached out to directors I knew and he was down to do it. And uh, I had kind of a vague idea in my head of that. I just wanted to be, you know, a video of me walking the strip and sort of capturing the essence of Las Vegas as I see it, which is yeah. a, a place that I find really depressing and captivating and interesting and grotesque. And, All at uh, the same time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then I knew that at the end, I wanted to go out in the desert. Spoiler alert, attempt to light my <laughs> Self on, on fire and fail in doing that. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. I was Hell like, yeah. oh, uh, I was glad that you never got the, the match to strike, though. I'm yeah, glad. yeah. It, You're yeah. here today. <laughs> Whew. But yeah, man, that that video is 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 beautiful too. I think it's beautifully shot. Um, yeah, it, it does it does capture. I think everything about Vegas when you know Vegas comes to mind, like that's it. It's all in that video. Yeah, that's how I feel. You know, and hats off to Mike Immerman because he really like you know I, I gave him you know I, I basically told him what I just told you. Like that's what I want the video to be, and um, he really he really made it happen. I was blown he nailed away. It, yeah, yeah, I was so stoked to uh, to see the the cut, the first cut that he showed me and uh, I you know I didn't even really have any notes at all and uh, yeah I told him it was the best depiction of, uh, of Vegas since Scorsese's casino <laughs> I would agree uh, yeah it was uh, my wife and I got married in Vegas mm. like not on a whim we actually planned it and and it was on purpose and it was at the courthouse not at, no oh, no Elvis no. okay fair no it was it was some old lady um, Elvis wasn't wasn't in the courthouse that day but that's a shame <laughs> I know it was about the most un-Vegas Vegas wedding yeah but uh, and, and also in the way that the, the marriage is endured you know we're still married today it's been like 13 years or something so jackpot baby yeah baby you won I did I struck it rich yeah so the lyrics for so many of the songs, I, I was going through each song, like every song, the first on the first listen, I was like trying to pay attention to the lyrics and, uh, you know, you don't always get them on the first listen. You got to go back and listen a couple of times. And, sure. But I was going through every song on the album has a line that's just, I, I mean, the whole I, lyrically, I think the whole thing is, is amazing. And there are definitely like standout lines for each song. So I was kind of going through and making some notes. I'm going to, you may hate mm -hmm. this, but I'm going to, I was going through and making notes on every song in the in the standout line that I love oh, the nice. most. This'll first man, the, the the first song, Waiting for a Hot Pocket, mm -hmm. the very first line of the first song on the album just kicks you in the teeth. I always yeah. feel jealous when I see my friends dead on the news. I'm like, killing me. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely killer way to start an album. I've got a, I have a shirt that um I've been selling it on tour, but it keeps selling out. But I, I got it reprinted, and I'll have it up in the store. But it's 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 meant to look like a Chanel lipstick ad mm -hmm. for a for a lipstick called Rubbermaid Woman, which is another name of a song on the on the album. And, but on the very top, that that quote is written there. I always feel jealous when I see my friends dead on the news. Oh, I'm gonna have to get one of those shirts. <laughs> 
And then, okay, and then Rubber Made Woman, we can fight an artist who would silhouette the, the Ku Klux Klan in chalk. I'm like, oh my God. Let's do it. All right, here's the next one. Um, for Elegy, the, it's it's the whole verse like, do you remember where you were when you first heard your favorite song before you got a little money and you finally learned to love the bomb? Wow. Hell yeah. I, I, for me, it's the one right after that. Jumping Jack Flash going to sell you a mobile phone. That's, yeah, that's yeah the I love one that, that too. That's the one that I, I try and feature whenever I have to like put a snippet of a song. But there was, I saw somebody did a, put a, a post on Reddit and they were it, about you. They, mm. I, I think it was, they saw you open for, for Father John Misty and, and they're like, and what was it, the song? And he was like, it had Jumpin' Jack Flash going to sell you a mobile phone. I was like, oh my God, I love this guy. <laughs> so that, that ropes in a lot of fans, that one. Nice. Um, uh, Little Black Shoes, uh, out on the scene with my cellmates looking like the Stooges. Like, I love that. I love yeah, the Stooges. It's like, and it's like, which Stooges am I talking about? Maybe I'm talking That's about, true. maybe I'm talking about both Stooges. I didn't even think about that. I immediately, am you I know talking what's about funny? the three Stooges? Am I talking about the Stooges? You know, maybe I'm talking about both. You know, what's so funny is I didn't even <laughs> think about this until this moment. I'm drinking coffee right now out of coffee mug that has the three Stooges face faces on it. Damn. But, but my brain automatically went to the Stooges, the band. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's supposed to be the, uh, that was the intended. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. But I, I, yeah. I, I also hope that some people make the connection between some, some other Stooges, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or the, me- the meaning Curly. the meaning of the word stooges, you know. Yeah. All right. Jump into Las Vegas Salvation. The chorus, if I die of dehydration, baby on the banks of an air stream, let the birds of prey come pick my pockets clean. I could wash away my sins now, baby, with a gallon of gasoline. Let the tongues of a beating sun lick down on me. I was just like, God damn. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> Thank These you, lyrics man. are just men like me, wide awake in the morning. I could rise from the pile, hair on fire. I'm in love with a woman who can tolerate me. Mm. I'm also in love with a woman who can tolerate me and, and does most of the time. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> right. Um, let's see. Love and consumption. Liquidation doesn't make a sound, but radiation burns like hell. That's mm. a killer line. Tina Turner. Man, it's so weird that Tina Turner legs, Richard Nixon eyes, that Tina just passed away. That's I know she, it an was unfortunate a, coincidence. Yeah, she died the day of that Seattle show, so I made sure oh, to sh- shout her out. But yeah, the kind of the, uh, the idea behind that song is like Tina Turner legs, Richard Nixon eyes. Is, is meant to sort of stand in for the best and worst characteristics of any given era. Yeah, I was trying to figure out sort of what was behind that, and I thought it's got to be like this is the best and the worst of, of things. Right. But that, that song is a fucking banger, dude. It's just awesome. Thank you. I love that. I, and um, I mean, that's kind of when I'm talking about like I don't know how to put myself in a genre, you know, like that song compared to like Elegy for a Baby Boomer. I mean, there's, those aren't the same genre. No, it's you know, a, yeah, they're totally different. So I don't but, know, I don't know but, how to answer the question of like what kind right. of music I make, you know? Right. Because if you just heard that one, you know, you'd be like, oh yeah, this is this is straight rock. Yeah. But yeah, it uh, it slaps as the kids say nowadays. As they but say, that yeah. one, the uh, stuck in traffic with three million people filled with hate because we don't even got us any leaders to assassinate. I love that line. <laughs> Yikes. So. <laughs> A bad place to be. Yeah. That's like any given day in, in LA though, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, let's see. So another slow night at the clown room. The fact that you came up with this out of your brain, I was like, that we would instantly be friends. Brandy makes her ass clap for the strings of life on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> 
that that's uh, amazing. That that song is about a, an instance. I won't I won't name my co-conspirators, but uh, <laughs> I went I came down to L.A. to work on something and was um, dragged to a place called Jumbo's Clown Room. Um, nice, which is like it's a it's a very iconic Hollywood. Um, I wouldn't call it a strip club really because you know nothing comes all the way off and it's like it's more it functions more <laughs> as a bar. You know, like you don't feel like a creep when you're yeah. up in there. You're just kind of let's just call it like a burlesque kind of thing. Thing. Um, but More it has the all the than the <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, no buffet. That yeah, all the uh-huh. great all the great strip club buffets are in Portland. But um, <laughs> the uh, it's you know it's it's just like an iconic Hollywood thing. You know, every, everyone's been there. Um, mm-hmm. Every everyone's down to go, men and women alike, and anywhere in between. But they still have like you know the classic Hollywood signify. You know, they're dancing to like Cherry Pie and yeah, yeah, Life on Mars, or you know like Alice in Chains. You know, they're they're playing all the right tunes for a for a Hollywood strip club environment. But anyway. We, I was brought there and um, at like 5 p.m. and uh, was there till like 2 a.m. Uh, <laughs> Closed and, it out. Uh, yeah. So another yeah. slow night at the clown room is just just about that night. Um, and then the the final track on the album, I think it's going to rain. That one uh, it goes deep. I'm afraid it's going to rain. Affirmations from those who agree. The illusion of freedom from things that we can't explain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. So I, I think I read somewhere that Dylan was a big influence for you. Is that right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so lyrically, I, I can see that is what yeah. I'm trying to say. He's number one. Well, all, you know, always will be number one for me. Yeah. What about, what are, what are, who are some of your other influences, either, either musically or lyrically or both? Or I mean, as a, as, as like a nineties kid, you know, growing up in Seattle, all that grunge stuff was huge, you know, particularly Cobain mm-hmm. from, a, you know, every, everyone I know that around my age that knows how to play guitar started because they wanted to play Nirvana songs. Yeah. yeah. And um, because those were songs that you could sort, you know, I'm also from my hometown is also the hometown of Jimi Hendrix, but that's not exactly introductory uh, oh, wow. guitar, you know, so, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, Nirvana songs, they seemed attainable, you know, doable. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone I know would play sort of the, the baseline to come as you are on a guitar and they're like, and that was kind of the way in. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, first bar chords you play are definitely the opening riff to Smells Like Teen Spirit. You know, Absolutely, that's, yeah. that's when you first suffer the pain of trying to make a bar chord. <laughs> and uh, and so that stuff was huge. Um, and uh, all those dudes, so like, you know, there's this, it's funny, I was just talking about this. There's this huge gap sort of in my listening of sort of indie rock because one thing that is interesting about the grunge is it's this gritty sound but like all those dudes you know Cobain Lane Staley Eddie Vedder Chris Cornell like those dudes could blow man like the vocals on those guys oh insane they're virtuosos you know and then when you kind of get into more 90s later 90s indie stuff you know like your uh, Silver Jews or um, or Wilco or um, you know there's it's like a lot a lot of stuff where like the, the the vocalist sounds cool but like they're not really a singer you know and uh, I don't know as a 90s kid like the popular music swiftly became rap music and R&B and that kind of stuff that's what all my peers were listening to that's what I was listening to you know mm-hmm. um, there was Tupac and Biggie and then you know Jay-Z and Nas and then we, we discovered Wu-Tang Clan that was you know that's like that's like <clears throat> three years of listening right there you know um, yeah yeah Outcast, all this stuff so there's a ton of um, kind of like indie rock that I just didn't really get in me but so 
I think part of why I have such a, but Dylan was always there. But so I think part of why I'm so lyrics focused is because I listened to so much rap growing up. Yeah, yeah. And like you had to, you know, especially in that era, like, you know, you know, it was all about the bars, you know, like you couldn't come weak, you know, you had to like really have potent lyrics, you know, that's sort of how rappers at that time were evaluated. I'd say less, certainly less so now. Yeah, which is, less which so is, now. Yeah. Which is cool. You know, I, I like what, I like what the youngsters are doing, but we're talking about my influence, right? Yeah. So I yeah, think yeah. it's kind of like <laughs> rap music is a huge influence on me. Um, yeah. And I think that that's why I'm so lyrics focused as well as being a total Dylan head. Cobain was great. Cobain, huge influence on my writing. And then, you know, having known Josh Tillman for as long as I have, you know, he's, he's an influence for sure. I think he's for the fucking best, you know, I love he his is, music. Yeah. He's also a lyrics guy, you know, I've been so close to his process, you know, like I was, he and I were hanging out while he was mixing fear fun, you know, I was in the studio with him just kind of like just hanging, you know, um, awesome. back when I had nothing but time on my hands, you know, pre kids. Yeah. But then, you know, so yeah. all the, all the musicians I know in Seattle, like, um, you know, I, I was in sort of the musical family of all the Fleet Foxes stuff. And I don't, you know, I didn't draw a ton of influence from that necessarily, but I think process wise and being able to see how all that was made had an influence on me. Yeah. Production, you know, Lou Reed in, in the Velvet Underground, anyone that's kind of like lyrics fo- focused and then production wise, like Bowie is a big touchstone for me because oh, yeah. that's another guy that you can't really like put into a genre and absolutely not yeah he just sort of he wrote songs and then and then the production just sort of took it wherever it wanted to go so I mean <laughs> those are those are the ones that just pop into my head but influence is also a weird thing I should put the Beach Boys in there too but influence is a weird thing because like you can like listen to something for six months straight trying to derive influence from it and never end up making mm-hmm. anything <clears throat> directly influenced from it and then, you know, one day you're at Target or something and you hear like a, a Gloria Estefan song or something. It's just like one, <laughs> ch- one cha- like chord change occurs and, and then it just like sparks something. Sparks something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Trying to find hot sauce in, in the, that back corner of Target, you know. <laughs> So, okay, I'm going to go back a little ways. What was it now? Like two, was it 2000? When Fear Fun came out, that was like 2007, wasn't it? Uh, 2012, I think. 2012. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was going too far back. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was another one too, that when, when I heard that, which I don't remember how I've heard that for the first time, but um, I felt uh, exactly about that album, about his music as I did about yours. When I discovered you, I was just like, this oh, is the shit. This is my, this is my jam. Like I, I connect with this on every level. Um Hell Hell yeah. And um, my wife worked at uh, this uh, big hall here in, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she worked at this place and um, Father John Misty was coming. Josh was coming to play a show. So she was able to, because she worked there, she was able to like get me in for sound check and, oh, and watch all of that as as well as got to see the show. And um, yeah. yeah, man, I was I was hooked. And so when when he dropped uh, Chloe last the end of last year, I think mm-hmm. it was, right? And then I saw he was going to be touring. I had looked him up and then that was when I first became aware of you because uh, yeah, I was wherever actually, yeah wherever you were playing you, were, you guys were on the bill together and I'm like oh who's this guy so I went into that was how I first I first heard about you awesome yeah I was actually I, I meant to ask you how the hell did you find Butch Bastard <laughs> yeah that was how right. it was like and he wasn't uh, he wasn't coming around here anywhere near here on that leg of the tour or whatever yeah. but but then I saw your name on the bill with him and I'm like that's a great fucking name who is this yeah uh, 
that's that's when I looked you up and, and found you. And then he's uh, he is coming back here, like, but it's in August, I think, for a couple oh. of couple of nights in August, cool. which I'm I'm hoping to be able to go catch yeah, that show sure. while he's here. Hell yeah! But yeah, I love it. When did when did you start playing music? Like, when did you first pick up an instrument? Like, were you in your teens or uh, Nirvana times? Like, you know, so I'm probably like nine, okay. nine, yeah. ten years old or something. You know, um, that's and it was when guitar. Yeah. That was the first thing you picked up. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there was a piano in the house. My mom plays. My mom's a, a very good pianist, and I think she may have. Yeah, she. You know, she tried to like get me into lessons, but I, I wasn't interested. I'm interested now, but I, I was not interested <laughs> then. Um, I, I wish I I wish I had them now, actually. Um, but you know, yeah. So I I was kind of like the piano teacher's worst piano student for like a year and a half, just because <laughs> I just wasn't interested in the way the instrument was being presented to me. You know, it just yeah. felt like yet another form of homework or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then grabbed a guitar. My older brother kind of picked it up around that time. So I, I wanted to do it as well. And uh, we were taking lessons at the same place. And then I, I punched a kid on the playground and <laughs> broke my hand. And uh, oh, wow. that kind of put the, the lessons on hold. So I didn't really get back into lessons. You know, I, I knew like the open chords and that sort of yeah. thing, but didn't get back in until I think I was in high school. I started taking lessons again, but the teacher I had was, he would just kind of talk the whole time, you know, like, mm. which was an education in its own way. You know, he was just sort of trying to like guide me and what to listen for. And, and he, he was like kind of the first person that showed me how to use DAWs and, and digital recording and that sort of thing and recorded my first demos. And so, yeah, pro you know, I guess the short answer to that question is like nine or 10 is when I first picked up an instrument. I've always kind of been like a, I figured out I could sing maybe a couple years before that. And then I've always kind of like may, been making up songs for as long as I remember, you know, but I didn't, I don't think I actually like put the pen to the page and, and completed one until I was probably like 15 or 16. What about like, do you, can you pinpoint any like specific moment or thing that, that flipped switch that flipped or whatever that, you know, where you were like, okay, I have to do this. Like I have to be an artist. I have to write my own music. Was there anything or did it just sort of like organically happen over time? It kind of always felt that way. And then, and my older brother, he, he makes music um, under the name John Chalant. John um, Chalant. Okay. Yeah. You should check it out. It's, 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 it's heady stuff. Um, but he always kind of had that focus too. And I I would kind of, you know, being the younger brother, I followed his lead on on many things. But uh, it always felt like something I wanted to do. I remember, like, I think probably when I was around, I think, 17 years old, my buddy who I knew through my brother, a guy named Casey Westcott, who is a keyboard player for the Fleet Foxes now, or always yeah. has been, he was like, he played in a band called The Vogue, and he would like tour, you know, um, which in my, at the time in my mind, that was something that like Aerosmith did. I didn't know that like people <laughs> that bands I did that. Yeah. I didn't know that like, that was something that people that I would ever know would do. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And he was, um, a, a lot of these Seattle musicians kind of came out of like this evangelical Christian upbringing mm -hmm. and they kind of like played music in church and then kind of busted out of that. But the music remained, you know, I grew up Catholic, so basically I don't know anything about religion. <laughs> but he uh, he was kind of part of the scene. Dudes like Damien Gerardo and um, and Christian Wargo, who's also in the Fleet Foxes, who had mm -hmm. a number of bands. I was in a band with both of those guys called Poor Moon a decade ago. That was you ago. and your brother and those guys, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. And then um, and they were uh, they played with this group called Pedro the Lion, which I uh, yeah. the name kind of 
sucked me in and uh I didn't realize I I guess that had started with kind of like Christian undertones or something but I don't know when I hmm. when I heard it I didn't pick up on that at all and I it was the first time since Kurt Cobain because at the time like you know I was listening to like a lot of like Marvin Gaye I really I remember in that that era I was I like really dug into the Marvin Gaye what's going on album and like oh it's classic and like okay computer and like these really richly produced records that like that, I mean that was when a flip switch flip for me for like what is a production and I started listening to music and picking parts out you know yeah but that was awesome I mean the, you couldn't pick like two more inimitable pieces right. of recorded music than those two albums you know so yeah yeah when I heard Pedro the Lion that was the first time since Cobain where I was like I could write a song like that like he's he's not doing much but it, it's doing so much for me right yeah yeah so I think that was a moment that kind of flipped the switch where I started writing started writing songs with purpose you know yeah sort of envisioning envisioning myself as someone who could do that okay so your first album uh, came out in 2018 I'm not a man that came out in 2018 so then from there to here that's a good you know that's a good five years yeah do you feel like do you feel like like I mean obviously you learned and grew from from that first album to the second album like both Mm -hmm. as just as an artist and as a person but was there anything that you feel like the process of of making the first album the process of making the second album were they pretty similar or was was there a lot of difference between the two not necessarily in like the writing but just in in the overall process and the production and everything too i mean i guess technologically even a lot of stuff has changed in five years yeah i mean i'd say it was yes it was very similar um yeah because, you know, in that five years, you know, about one year of that is waiting for vinyl to be pressed, you know, yeah. and putting out singles. And then there's <clears throat> there's a couple pandemic years in there. There's two kids in there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, about as much as could change did change in that time. Right. right exactly. Yeah. So um, but process wise, no, I mean, it, it was tracked in the same room and uh, but then drums were done in a studio. So in that yeah. case, about half the drums of the first record were done in like the living room in my house. And then the other half are actually played by Josh Tillman. And we went up to a fellow named Jonathan Wils- Wilson's studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. Those. Yeah, he's amazing. <clears throat> Great musician and producer. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was very similar in that, like, you know, a lot of the drums were done off site, but everything else was kind of overdubbed in that very same room. Yeah. And you, you said at the top of the show that there's already new music that you've been working on yeah i've got i've got a full a full solid 10 songs for the next record that i feel are definitely my finest work um, oh man i can't wait for that i've uh listened to the, the you know played the shit out of the the new album i've listened to your first album a few times and i haven't done as much of a a deep lyrical dive on it yet as I did on the on the current album. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw something someone posted online. They were trying to figure out one of the nights of the the recent tour, and they're like, "He did some song there. There was something about a UFO." Yeah. In the in the is that one of the new ones or is yeah, that off of the first album? That's one, one of the, the new ones. One of the new ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, Apparently, people were loving that one from what yeah, I yeah I, I've what been, I saw. I've have had a number of inquiries about what that song is. Um, yeah. So as of now, it, there's no recorded version. Version. If, if you dig on, I just like, I think maybe yesterday posted on Instagram, like a snippet of me playing it live. Oh, um, okay. But uh, yeah, that's one of them. As I was saying earlier, you know, more and more I'm trying to write where the song will just work on its own without any production. 
Right. And I think I really nailed that for this upcoming batch of songs, you know, um, because I was, yeah, I just didn't want to get a band together. It's a headache, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if, if I think if I'd break my strengths as a musician down into like three things, it's lyrics, vocal performance, and just like chord changes and structure. And so that's, mm -hmm. that can all be conveyed particularly well as a yeah. playing solo. And, uh, yeah, so I think I, I I really economized songwriting for this for this next one, and uh, and so yeah, so on those solo solo tours, I played two or three unreleased songs. Okay, um, and ultimately, it just it it comes down to the song. It's you know the song is the most important thing, and if it's something where, like you said, you can perform it on your own without the need of of a band or, or crazy production on stage or whatever, like that's yeah. that serves serves the song, and and that's what ultimately stands on its own. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I was able to, it's, it's, you know, these days it's like unheard of always kind of, but these days, especially it's like unheard of to go on tour and come home with money for yeah. at the level <laughs> yeah, of art level of artist I'm at, you know, especially these days it's for any artist. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're not, if you haven't gra graduated to like tour bus level, it's very hard to tour. You know, if you're right, in, the right. in the van, if you're in the van camp, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, after gas and hotels and splitting the money f between everyone in the band, I don't, I don't know how the yeah. hell anyone could come home with money, but in this situation, I was able to. Yeah, just the just the cost I, involved. It was just like, me. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, not not even paying anybody, but like you said, gas, hotels, food. I mean, all that's yeah. all that shit is ridiculous nowadays. So it's yeah. it's really hard to turn a profit on a tour. Yeah, and they were very good to me. Like they folded me into, you know, I had a bunk on the bus. If we had a day off, they got me a room. Sweet. Um, I was included in all the meals and that sort of thing. So um, that's really cool. They they were very good to me. But if I had said, you know, hey, guys, I really want to do this with a band, it would have been on me to, you know, transport everyone around, put Figure them out. Up. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't. Yeah. They wouldn't have been buying meals for all of them, I don't think. But <clears throat> I, was, I was able to provide for my household. That's just because man. I didn't. <laughs> bring a goddamn band with me. <laughs> right. Well, so in terms of Las Vegas Salvation, then what should we expect, you know, more singles and videos from that one? I mean, since you've already got this this next album finished already, or it seems like there's there's still a lot more to to come from from the current album still. Yeah, so I got I'm kicking around a, f a few ideas in my head. I'm you know, I'm from what from the moment I found out that I'd be going on this tour, I've been sort of like dr I've been dreading it in the sense that for the months leading up to it, I just had that looming in the background as something to work towards and, and keep me in a positive state of mind, you know. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, the what I have to do now is kind of recalibrate and figure out what to do next. One thing I do have is um pretty large concept um video idea for I think it's going to rain with um, a director named John John Agustavo who I made. I don't know. Did you see that? I made like a short film for the last record. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So the dude that directed that, he and I are going to do like a somewhat ambitious video for I think it's going to rain, which is a somewhat ambitious song, at least lengthwise. Yeah. That's um, it's like 714 or something like that. I think it was, yeah, it was long. Yeah. It's a long one. So we're going to kind of make sort of a short film out of a short film music video out of that song. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just going to try and um, play around LA a bit. I might do another Seattle show. I just got an invitation for that. But yeah, and then, you know, probably try and 
reach out to more directors. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is this is the challenge of when you don't have a you know typically uh, an artist would put out an album and then tour it for like a year or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't have those resources at my disposal. And even if I did, right. it might it might not be a very good idea. Yeah, you know, like we were just else. talking about financially and all that. So right, yeah. But it is. I mean, it is true that like nothing works like getting out there and getting in front of people, you know, and connecting with with new fans. You know, that's by far the most effective thing and it's the easiest way to sell a record or a shirt is at a show yeah so i you know i'd i'd like to just i'd like to sell out all my shit you know that'd be nice <laughs> and i don't <laughs> have enough room you know so you gotta go go get a separate storage place just to start storing all the yeah merch. exactly yeah, yeah there's there's yeah there's nothing worse than like walking by a box of cds you pressed up 12 years ago that went unsold <laughs> you know and just having to be reminded of that every time you go into the garage to get a screwdriver um <laughs> But I, yeah. This, the, yeah, thanks to that tour, I've you know I, I had to reprint some shirts. So now yeah. they'll now they'll sit around forever. But at least I can yeah. say I, I sold out of the first run. Yeah, well, if they're gonna go, they'll be up on the website for sale. I'll, I'm, I'm gonna snag one of those up when, they, sure. when they go back up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll get them up there. Kind of lastly, like aside from making music, like what else? What else are you into? What else do you enjoy doing? I mean, I know that you're a dad. We've talked about that, and and as I've learned from uh, experience, that pretty much occupies all of the time that you're not spending doing the other thing that you love. Sure. Um, so, yeah. But what else you're into? Um, I love the book. You know, I love reading and I love writing. Which, as we discussed, which my, with my uh, my new Substack. And yeah, yeah. I'm a total uh, NBA head. I love oh, yeah. watching. I love watching hoops. Again, I don't get a lot of time. You know, if the TV goes on at my house, uh, my daughter gets real interested and starts to protest. So I don't, <laughs> I don't get to watch nearly as much as I'd like. But I do love. Um, I've always loved the NBA. Yeah. Um. You know, I love my foods, but again, you know, who can afford to eat out now? So. Oh, I know, man. You know, but I'll cook. You know, I love to grill. I'm actually. I've been. I got a really bad burn on my leg from stepping into a charcoal hot charcoal chimney the other day so oh that'll do it this is what i'm living with man um <laughs> but yeah you yeah. asked me that question then and immediately in my head i'm just like oh my god i'm, I'm a fucking boring person i can't think of anything <laughs> i'm not into anything you know? uh, you're into more stuff than i am because oh, okay, at least good. you're like i'm not even into sports so oh, I, shit, I'm, yeah. I'm into like music well, and and that's it <laughs> Yeah, well, sports is like that's like the boring the boring person's interest, you know. Um, I can I can put a game on and it can be on in the background, but I'm just like I've never been that guy that followed. Like I never had a team for any sport yeah. really, and just like I felt like there was my all the space available in my brain was taken up with song lyrics, and I didn't have room for like you know player stats and shit sure, like that. yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. I th- I'm pretty casual compared to a lot of like anytime someone starts talking about like a play player's contract or like trade value or yeah. shit like that. I, I, I tune out real yeah, quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. But as far as watching the game and, and, and just sort of the lore of the history, because, you know, when I was a kid, I, I I would dig into like stats and how everyone stacks up against each other a lot more. But yeah, um, I can only handle so much, you know. Right. Yeah. Especially nowadays, man. It's just. Yeah. A, OK, so then um, are there any other bands or artists or whatever that you're really into right now that uh, like you've been listening to lately um let me look at my search history i'm also like i'm also kind of embarrassing um i'm like 
I'm the type of dude that like I'll get hooked on an artist and then that's all I'll listen to for like a year. Oh, I do that too. And then other, you know, then people be like, have you heard this? I'm like, no, not really. (laughs) I've just been listening Um, to this one thing. It's funny. Wilco came up. Like I I literally like listened to Wilco for the first time, like two days ago. Period. I mean, you know, I I think I'd heard the first song on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot before. And then (laughs) as I started listening, I was like, okay, I know that tune. I know that tune. But um, yeah, I'm on like a text thread with with some music heads and they're they're often bringing up a band i'm just like all right guys i'm gonna i'm gonna dig in today and so yeah. wilco was one of the, uh, a lot of the time i sort of i don't like the you know i don't want to shade anyone but you know some dude was like oh, i've been getting back into dave matthews i'm like yeah not not me man um yeah yeah i'm, I'm, I'm like with you. i'm, the, I'm I like i can't not to hate you know no. he, he, he doesn't need us you know he's doing fine yeah, he's um, doing just fine. But, you know, so I'll be like, all right, rather than hate on this, I'm going to immerse myself in Dave Matthews for a day. And just see where it takes me. Yeah. So I, I've been kind yeah. of for fun. I've been doing that. I'm like, all right, guys, next up, I'm going to try Wilco. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hate this. And, but I actually really liked it. If um, you got, Everybody talks about Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, but Sky Blue Sky was that for me when that album came out. That was like that was all I listened to for like a solid six months. Hell yeah. OK, I'll, I'll get into that one. That's a great album you should check that one out yeah but i'm i mean like i'm i'm the worst with this you know i'm i'm not about to scoop i'm not about to put you on to like some shit you haven't heard before like, okay <laughs> i don't think i'm just not the guy man as i'm, you know, I'm looking at my search history it's like john coltrane uh <laughs> you know Smokey robinson velvet underground television you know not i'm not exactly like i'm not Who out those there. cats yeah, I'm not <laughs> discovering the new band or whatever, but yeah, yeah. I wish I did. You know, I wish I had more of that in me. But it's a, I mean, it's it's a more than a full time job, and it's a big part of what I do. Is is yeah. Well, I have I have you now. I can listen to Zappagram. You'll be my. You'll be the yeah, way man. I discover new music. Hell yeah! I'm I'm always uh, you know, and well, that's one of the things that I want to do with with Zappagram is like I cover the music news, and you know, I tell you when that person that every Everybody in the world knows that that when they die and, you know, who's releasing a new album, going on tour or whatever. But I like digging and finding new artists that are, yeah. that are up and coming that are phenomenal that nobody knows about yet and sort of yeah. trying to to surface their stuff. So that's a big part of what I do. And it's every week I'm, I'm discovering so much new music that I couldn't have answered that question either. Cause it's like, what are you listening to right now? I could say, well, your album and then who else? And it's like, I can't remember their names because it's hard right. to keep up. I literally have to do the same thing. Look at my search history and yeah. like, Oh yeah, this, this person's great. But I, pr- I really, that, pr- yeah, I really appreciate that. that yeah, man. I really appreciate that you do that though. Cause like, you know, here I am in a position where I'm like, I wish people would just discover me. And then I look at my search history and it's like Bob Dylan and the Velvet Underground. I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I'm not really like helping Dude, yeah. <laughs> Anyone get discovered, am I? Well, that's, I mean, you can't go wrong with influences like that, though. Sure. But yeah, man, that was, uh, so a, a few weeks back, um, just on one of my weekly news shows, it was it was pretty much the the Butch Bastard show. It was like, I, I think awesome. I went back and re-listened to it, and I was like, man, from the start to finish of that show, I talked about, about you and about the new album, like, over and over, and I was like, everybody got to go yeah. listen to this. And I do a weekly playlist that goes out with every, newsletter and podcast and uh usually i'll put like one maybe two tracks 
from any given artist on there and I build mm-hmm. it out to have 15 or 20 tracks or whatever. And this, I was like putting the whole album on there this week. And I had a ton of people writing me back and they're like, oh, I never heard of this guy before. I love this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, now you know. I love that, man. Thank you for yeah. doing that. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a pleasure. Like I said, your your music connects with me on a level that's rare that I find someone who does just absolutely fall in love with everything about it. And yours does. And you you nailed it on this album, my brother. I got to tell you, it's a it, it's a masterpiece. And uh, I can't can't wait for the next one. I mean, I guess, you know, the, this one just came out. So I'm probably going to have to wait a little while for the next yeah, one. Yeah, you won't but, have to wait. You won't have to wait as long as there will oh, not good. be as big of a gap. I mean, it's it's written, you know, so yeah, I'll get right into it. Fantastic. But, but thank you so much for, for your support and encouragement, man, and for having me on. And it really, uh, it means a lot. Absolutely, brother. It, it means a lot to me too. Thank you so much for, for being here. Thanks for taking the time today to talk with me and um, take care. And everybody listening, go listen to Butch Bastard. Las Vegas Salvation is out now. Streaming services everywhere. Go listen to it. Buy some merch. Hell yeah. Find me on the gram, you know, get my get my stats up. Yeah, yeah. On the gram and the, and the sub stack. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The Substack in particular. Yeah. Well, I'll be I'll be continuing to promote all of that, man. So I'll be I'll be telling people where to find you. My dude. All right, brother. Thank you for being here. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking around to the end of my talk with Ian Murray, a.k.a. Butch Bastard. Man, what a dude. Just what a funny guy, man. He's, he's so great. I'm such a huge fan. I want you guys to go out and stream the new album, Las Vegas Salvation. It's available wherever you stream your music. Be sure also to visit butchbastard.com. You can pre-order the album on vinyl there, as well as his first album. You can check out all of his videos, sign up for his newsletter on Substack, Follow him on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Man, I really hope he found his TikTok password. Thank you guys for listening to the show. And if you're not subscribed to Zappagram, go to zappagram.com and rectify that right now. I have been your host, Chris Zappa. And until next time, I am out of here. <laughs>